This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Solomon, chapter 7, 26 through 8, 1. For she that is wisdom is a reflection of eternal light, a spotless mirror of the working of God and an image of his goodness. Although she is but one, she can do all things. And while remaining in herself, she renews all things. In every generation, she passes into holy souls and makes them friends of God and prophets. For God loves nothing so much as the person who lives with wisdom. She is more beautiful than the sun and excels every constellation of the stars. Compared with the light, she is found to be superior, for it is succeeded by the night, but against wisdom, evil does not prevail. She reaches mightily from one end of the earth to the other, and she orders all things well. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Well, what a beautiful text today on wisdom. Wisdom can do all things, renews all things, and orders all things well. But what is wisdom? How would you define it? Learning from experience. Good. Anyone else? How would you define wisdom? Yeah. Humility to know what you don't know. Ah, humility to know what you don't know. Yes. That's good. <laughs> Those are good balance there. Learning that comes with experience and then being wise enough. Chris, can you use the word wise in the definition of wisdom? I don't know. Maybe not, but you know. Knowing what you don't know. That's very good. I love that. The definition I saw was the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And I like having all those together because you can have a lot of experience, but if you don't have the other two, it's, you know, there's a lot of people who know a lot, but maybe they don't have the good judgment part. So all of those together. And then one more definition, the ability to contemplate and act using knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. The ability to contemplate and act, I like that. But however you define it, I think we'd all like to have it and have some more of it. And we want to explore today, how do we pass it on to those who come after us? And that's kind of tricky, right? Because part of the definition of wisdom is having experience. And you can only get experience by time and living life. But I think we can create spaces in which learning and experience and thus wisdom can grow. And please understand this morning I'm talking to all of us, whether we're students ourselves, whether we're parents, whether we're single, whether we're teachers, grandparents, or simply human beings trying to get through life. Because being a learner, of course, is a lifelong pursuit and wisdom is something we all long for. So while I'm framing this in many ways, how do we pass this on to children? 
I think it applies to, to all of us, wherever we are in our journey of life. And so I have three ways this morning that we can help our younger ones gain wisdom. We invite, we show, and then we get out of the way. We invite, we show, and then we get out of the way. So how do we invite kids into situations in which they can grow and expand and discover more of the world? One of the ways we've tried to do this with our kids, some level of success, always hard to tell um, your own kids, but is taking family road trips. We'd love to just explore. And a few years back, we planned this epic road trip to Alaska. As a kid, I lived in Alaska for four years and hadn't been back. And we thought, wouldn't it be cool to take our kids to Alaska? So we bought a little camper. We put a hitch on our minivan, which had never towed anything. And uh, we were going to you know, drive to Alaska. Well, on day one, our camper had a bad tire. And it turned out it was really hard to find anywhere. In fact, there was nowhere in Holland that sold the kind of tires this camper needed. And so we found ourselves driving all over West Michigan. And our epic road trip uh, began on day one with us sleeping in our own beds. <laughs> so, there you go. But next day, uh, we were at it. We had the tire. We were off. We made it to Fargo, North Dakota on the first day, which felt like a good start. And many miles later, we found ourselves in the Yukon Territory, driving along the Alaska Highway. And you hit Whitehorse, Yukon, and you have a couple of options. You can keep going west to get to Alaska on the Alaskan Highway, or you can veer off north on the less traveled Klondike Highway. And then you can reach the furthest north route by land into Alaska. We thought, oh, well, why wouldn't you do that? You know, why wouldn't you go the furthest north <laughs> route into Alaska? And mind you, we had not done any research on this. Uh, it's kind of a spur of the moment decision. And then you, so you get up to Dawson City, last city of Canada on this northern route, and then you take what's called the top of the world highway into Alaska. And once we read that, we're like, that's just a no brainer. We're going to do that. So we're driving, we turn north, we're driving on the Alaska or the Klondike Highway now. And it turns out, you know, the road less traveled is not kept up as well. And it was pretty sketchy, gravel road, not in great condition. We're driving and driving and driving. Turns out Yukon Territory is a big place. And we're driving close to midnight. And of course, we're so far north and it's summer, so the sun never really sets. So it's still somewhat light. We're getting tired, so there's no sign of civilization, no hotels, motels, not even campgrounds. So we just pulled off by the side of the road, slept in the van, didn't sleep great. But we woke up, fired up the next day, because today is the day we we're going to get to Alaska. So we're back on the road, driving on our way to Dawson City and then to Alaska, and a car drives by and hits a stone on the road, which hits our camper and ricochets off our camper into our rear windshield, and bam, our back windshield exploded into thousands of pieces of glass. And Charles and Justine are in the back seat, they both screamed, and we were like, what just happened? So I pulled over and uh, we're looking at the broken glass, looking at no window. We're deliberating what to do. It's like seven in the morning or something. And of course, here we are, middle of the nowhere, Canada, and it starts to rain. And, 
I won't go into details about what happened from there, but some of you have heard this story before. Well, let's just say some cardboard and duct tape served as our rear windshield for the rest of our entire Alaska road trip. But we made it, and many more adventures ensued after that. And so we invited our kids into life, into experiencing life. We went out into the world to explore, overcame challenges, and so on, and helped them gain experience, and experience leads to wisdom. And they at least learn maybe do a little more research before a big road trip. <laughs> Wisdom can do all things, renews all things, and orders all things well. We invite and we can also show. And we show by displaying wisdom in action. And I think we do this best by being ourselves. By not pretending to be something we aren't. And I think we can do that by being vulnerable, showing that we're not perfect and admitting when we've made mistakes that's so important for kids to see and hear and not acting rashly remember the definition of wisdom the ability to contemplate and act Brene Brown tells a story of her daughter Ellen when she was in fourth grade she says, when Ellen was in fourth grade, she came home from school one day and burst into tears as soon as we shut the front door and then ran up to her room. I immediately followed, then knelt down in front of her and asked her what was wrong. And through sniffles, she said, I'm so tired of being the other. I'm sick of it. I didn't understand, so I asked her, explain, asked her to explain what she meant by the other. We play soccer every day at recess. Two popular kids are the captains, and they pick the teams. We've all been there. The first captain says, I'll take Susie, John, Pete, Robin, and Jake. The second captain says, I'll take Andrew, Steve, Katie, and Sue, and we can split the others. Every single day, Mom, I'm one of the others. I never get to be named. Brene Brown says, my heart sank. She was sitting on the edge of her bed with her head in her hands. I was so concerned when I followed her into her room that I hadn't even flipped on the light. And I couldn't stand the vulnerability of seeing her sitting there in the dark, crying. So I walked over to the light switch. It was divine intervention. The act of starting to turn on the lights to alleviate my discomfort made me think about my favorite quote on darkness and compassion from Pema Chodron, who writes, Compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. This is such a good quote. Compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals equals only when we know our own darkness well can we be present with the darkness of others compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity so end of that quote Brene Brown says I left the light switch alone walk back to sit with Ellen in the literal and emotional dark I put my arm around her shoulder and said I know what it's like to be the other she wiped the nose, wiped her nose on the back of her hand, as fourth graders do, and said, No, you don't. You're really popular, Mom. I explained that I really do know what it feels like. I told her when I feel like the other, I get angry and hurt, and I mostly feel small and lonely. I don't need to be popular, but I want people to recognize me and treat me like I matter, like I belong. Well, she couldn't believe it. You do know that's exactly how I feel. And so 
and we snuggled on her bed and she told me about her recess experiences and I told her about some of my experiences in school when otherness is both powerful and painful. Powerful story and that's just the first part. About two weeks later, she says, we were both at home when the mail arrived and I ran to the door with great anticipation. I was scheduled to speak, says Brene Brown, at a star-studded event and I was dying to see the publicity poster. <laughs> it seems weird now, but I was so excited at the idea of seeing my photo next to the pictures of some movie stars. I sat down on the couch with the poster, I unrolled it, and I started scanning the poster like a madwoman. And just as I was doing this, Ellen, the fourth grade daughter, walks in and said, Cool, is that your poster? Let me see. As she walked over to the couch, she could tell my mood had changed from anticipation to disappointment. What's wrong, Mom? I patted the couch, and she sat down next to me. I held the poster open, and she traced the pictures with her finger. Where are you? I pointed to a line on the poster under the celebrity photos that said, and others. Ellen leaned back against the sofa cushions, put her head on my shoulder and said, oh, mom, I think you're the others. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't reply right away. I was feeling both small because there was no picture and for caring that there was no picture. Ellen leaned forward and looked at me and said, I know what that feels like. Now the kid becomes the parent. When I'm the other, I feel hurt and small and lonely. We all want to matter and belong. Beautiful. And Brene Brown says, it turned out to be one of the best moments of my life. We may not always have a sense of belonging on the, reset, on the playground at recess or at a big fancy conference, but in that moment, we knew that we belonged where it mattered most, at home. When we show our kids that we are real human beings who struggle and that it's okay to struggle, they gain wisdom. Wisdom can do all things, renews all things, and orders all things well. So we invite, we show, and then we get out of the way. Anthony DeMello tells the story of a father and son and noticing that his father was growing old the son of a burglar right, son of a thief said father teach me the trade so when you retire I may carry on the family tradition proud family tradition the father did not reply but that night he took the boy along with him to break into a house once inside he opened a closet and asked his son to find out what was inside. No sooner had the lad stepped in the than the father slammed the door and bolted it shut, making such a noise that in the process the whole house was awakened. Then he himself slipped quietly away. What a dad. Inside the closet, the boy was terrified, angry, and puzzled as to how he was going to make an escape. But then an idea came to him. He began to make a noise like a cat, started meowing. And then a servant heard that, lit a candle, and opened the closet to let the cat out. Well, the boy jumped out as soon as the closet door opened, and everyone gave chase. And then observing, as he's out on the street, and they're chasing after him, he observed a well by the side of the road. He threw a heavy rock into it and hid in the shadows while his pursuers went over to look and see the burglar drowning. Well, he made it home. And back home again, 
The boy forgot his anger and his eagerness to tell the story. But his father said, why tell the tale? You are here. That is enough. You have learned the trade. And the comment DeMello makes in response to this tale is, education should not be a preparation for life. It should be life. And so wisdom happens, right? When we experience life. When we experience life. And our kids, if they are to gain wisdom, need to experience life but there's a natural protective instinct that all parents have, which is good, which is good. But there are times when, as parents, we have trouble discerning where the line crosses between protectiveness and overprotectiveness. Sometimes we don't know when to get out of the way. There's the true story about the mom who uh, went along with her child to college, and because she was so obsessed that her daughter excelled in her classes, she herself enrolled in all the same classes. Thanks, Mom. And there was another mom who moved into the house next door to her daughter's dorm, just so she could keep an eye on her daughter day and night, even while she was away at college. I should have had an example of a dad. It's probably worse examples, right? These are extreme examples right, of not knowing when to get out of the way, otherwise known as helicopter parenting, right? the old hovering effect, which is good at certain times and ages, but then over time, we need to know when to get out of the way. And remember our, our words of integration and guidance, which RT read for us, where John Rick told the story of his childhood and said, his dad helped, my dad helped when he could, but he also most of the time got out of the way and let us just figure things out. He let us test, explore, succeed, and fail. And he said, we learned so much more than we ever would have if we had someone always showing us the right way to do things. That was good for me to read, because as a perfectionist, sometimes I get frustrated when I see something happen that's not the right way to do it. It can be really frustrating to watch that happen. But sometimes you have to watch that happen, and wisdom, learning, knowledge comes along the way. And this protective instinct is understandable because the world can be a hard place and we want to protect our kids from it. But wisdom might have us use the words of Frederick Buechner and say, here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Wisdom can do all things, renews all things, and orders all things well. And wisdom only comes with experience, and no one can live your life for you or live someone else's life for them. So we can invite, we can show, and then we have to get out of the way. And may each of us, at whatever age we are, hear God, the divine parent, saying to us, here is your life. You might never have been, but you are, because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I love you. Amen.
are invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.